Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. As you know, oh, four weeks ago, we, some of you may know this, not as you know, but some of you may know this, four weeks ago, we decided as a church body just to start going through uh, the whole book of Hebrews. And so we're taking a chapter a week and we're just kind of going through it and looking at what it has for us. And so uh, this week... Um, the sermon title is called Enter Rest, and so we're, we're going to go through that and see what this looks like. So let's read together, uh, starting in verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly ca- calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more a glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading to a fall leading to falling away from the living God but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end as it is said today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion for those For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were obedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Today, I just, I want to uh, dive right into, let's talk about rest for a second. Because right away, automatically, we hear this story and we think of, oh, well, hey, man, this is the promised land. So obviously, maybe the idea is, is that they didn't enter rest because they didn't get into the promised land. Well, what's our promised land? And then we start going down the path. And, and I think a lot of times we instantaneously go, well, our promised land is heaven, And I would argue that that is too small of a goal for us. Because I think that rest is this. Jesus says it constantly. He says, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. Oh, sorry, I said the wrong one. (laughs) 
Uh, let's start that over again. He's, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. doesn't say, I will give you heaven. doesn't say anything. He says, I will give you rest. And so here is where we're going to start from this morning. Is that rest is this, that rest is escaping the penalty and power of sin. Rest is escaping the penalty and power of sin over our lives. You see, I have this idea, and we're, we're going to dive into this a little bit, but I think a lot of us have a lot of hope for, the, the, for heaven. But not a lot of us have the faith to live it now. We have hope that Jesus is the ability, has the ability to have all the power and take care of all, all of our needs and get us to heaven. But when it comes to the day in and day out, our faith falls pretty short. And I think that as we read Hebrews chapter 3, it's pretty clear to us that um, this is exactly what happens, even when God shows his goodness over and over again. And so as we talked about in the first chapter, man, the first chapter talks a lot about, let's keep looking back at the Old Testament. The Old Testament has something to say to us. And so that's where we're going to start today. There's about 1.5 million people living in a land who became slaves. Who, do, who were doing amazing things for the kingdom of Egypt. In fact, actually, they built some of the best palaces and they were able to just work with their hands. And, and then it became pretty aware that they were just not happy. And so God sends this amazing person called Moses. And Moses goes in and does phenomenal feats in front of people. He has this staff and the staff does all sorts of things. Because God is with him. And the whole point, point is this, is that Moses would go to set God's people free. And so it comes that, the, that uh, Pharaoh will not let them go. Over and over again, plague after plague, all these different things happen. And the very last one is this. Is that the Israelites were supposed to slaughter a lamb and put the blood on their doorposts and the, uh, the angel of death would pass over. And if you didn't have that, the firstborn, your firstborn would die. And so what happens? Pharaoh's firstborn dies and so he's had it up to here, right? And so he lets Egypt go. Or I'm sorry, he lets Israelites go. And what does God do for the Israelites? He sets up this system to where they may not know where they're going. And so during the day, he sets up a pillar of a cloud, right? Just to guide them constantly. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if it was a tornado. I don't know if it was just this big wall of sand. I have no clue. But what I do know is it led them to exactly where they were supposed to be going. And then during the night, he has a pillar of fire. Could you imagine seeing just a pillar out there that nobody's done anything with, just out there? And you know, because everybody's talking about it, that it's God. It's just God leading us and directing us. And then they get to the Red Sea. What do they start doing? They start grumbling because they all of a sudden see the Egyptians coming after them. Just start grumbling. It's, they've had... A pillar of fire at night and a cloud guiding them. And they get to this sea and they're like, oh no, I don't know what's going to happen. 
and they're just flipping out. And God says, that's all right, I got this. And so what does Moses do? Splits the Red Sea. They all walk across. And then here's a crazy story that I, I just all, I'd never realized and I came across, but 1.5 million people, okay? Just think of it this way. This is incredible to me. They get to, the, they get to a little lake, right? I don't know. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's bigger, right? Uh, it's not Fort Peck. I don't know. But they get to this and the water tastes horrible. The water's bitter. And so they start complaining. Can you imagine 1.5 billion, 1.5 million people being thirsty? Can you imagine this? And then they all start complaining. And Moses just throws his staff in there and it turns sweet. Like sweet tea. That's, that's what I imagine. And then they get out into this wilderness and all of a sudden they don't have any food. Which, by the way, is kind of, uh, kind of crazy to me because before they left Egypt, this is how good God is, by the way. Before they left Egypt, all the Egyptians said, take whatever you want. We don't care. Take, you can take our livestock. You can take all the gold that you want. You can take whatever you want to carry. That's how much God was with them. So, like, not only as they left, they were set up good. They must have just gotten sick of the taste of mutton because they all of a sudden get they all of a sudden get tired of what's going on. And so God just starts sending food from the sky. Just, just there in the morning. It's like the grocery store is just right outside. They pick up all the food they need. And then, once again, they get thirsty. And they start grumbling and they start getting upset. And so, once again, Moses steps in, puts his staff on a rock and water flows out of it. Enough water to quench the thirst of 1.5 million people. Could have been more. I don't know. And Moses says this. And, he, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? They've been watching a pillar. They just walked across the sea. They have bread every single morning. They get water when they want. And then they come to a place where God says, here is your promised land. And so Moses sends out scouts. And out of the 10 scouts that he sends out, only two come back and say, hey, we can do this. And the rest of, this, the rest of them are saying, no, we, we, we don't got this. We don't have this. In fact, actually, they're so big, they make us look puny, and you should see the wall. It is impenetrable. Albert Muller says it like this. He says, faithfulness makes small mountains unscalable and miniature seas uncrossable. Because the whole entire time, they were in a negative mindset. 
In fact, actually, if you think about it, contempt breeds negativity because they have contempt for Moses and what he's trying to do and trying to take them everywhere else. And negativity has a sister and, his, and her name is grumbling. I don't know why sisters and grumbling. I don't know. I'm not saying anything about that. And when they get together, they begin to quarrel. And then quarrel leaves absolutely no room for obedience. And this is exactly what we see from Israel, that they were told, go take the promised land. And they were sitting there going, nope, can't do it. Absolutely can't do it. They murmured and pined for Egypt. They wanted to go back to their slavery. And they hardened their hearts and they turned away. And that's where we pick up the verse this morning. In Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7. We're going to come back to the first six verses in just a second. But can you, can you imagine this? It's so bad that Moses names the place where he gets water from Meribah and Massah, which means rebellion and testing. The whole entire time that people are walking with God, or God is actually, not they're walking with God, that God is with them, all they do is rebel and test God and quarrel with one another and have contempt. And then in this piece of scripture right here, starting in verse 7, we see this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, Let's just stop there for a quick second. There's a couple things that we need to, to be aware of. First of all, this is a direct quote from Psalms 95, 7 through 11. So if you want to do some research later on on that, go to that Psalm 95 and have some fun with it. But there's three things that pop out right away in this verse is, is this. Is that therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, you have to understand that the Holy Spirit has a divine role in the relationship of God, in the Trinity. Sometimes, so often, we, we look at it and we just say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit's somewhere out there. Let us be aware, or hey, Holy Spirit, come here. No, he's already here. You just need to open up and go, okay, what's going on? And the second is this, that whenever you hear or whenever you read or study or encounter Scripture, you have to realize that God is speaking. That every single piece of the scripture, God is speaking. Because many people would look at this and go, well, the Holy Spirit didn't write that. In fact, actually, we know who the author is. No, God is saying in this very piece right here, the Holy Spirit already spoke it. He's speaking through people. Would you listen? Which brings us to the next point of that whole thing is this. It, did not, it does not say the Holy Spirit said. No, the Holy Spirit says is speaking right now. It means that the Bible is living and is active. This is the present tense. It is today. Today, if you hear his voice. And so this scripture, which blows my mind, is absolutely for you right now. 
Like it's not something somebody said a long time ago and that was ancient and that's okay. No, it's right now, it's today. And so now what do you get to do with it? What do you have to do with it? Because he warns, he says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion and on the day of testing in the wilderness. Where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Continually they saw his work over and over again. And they still tested him and they still quarreled with him and they rebelled against him. They had a contempt for who Moses and God were. They didn't want to listen. They wanted to quarrel and grumble. And so God's response is this, is that therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they shall go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my oath, they shall not enter my rest. When they left Egypt, they presumed something of God that wasn't true. God is a holy God and God wants and desires people to walk in his ways. I didn't know my ways, he says. And the consequence of not knowing his ways in, in their time was this, is that they didn't enter God's rest. And in this term, they didn't enter God's rest daily and just trusting that he would take care of him and they didn't enter in to the promised land. All 1.5 million people who walked out of, and there might have been more, but I'm just saying 1.5 or less. None of those people entered into the rest. All of them were buried in the desert, except for two. The two people that said, we've got this, we can do this. That's just, that blows my mind. Can you imagine just <sighs> wandering in the desert and then they just keep dropping like flies? Oh, there's another one there. Oh, we lost another one. Pretty soon, there's nobody left. There's nobody left of that time. Now, there were more because they still kept on having babies, but the moment the, the 1.5 million people that left Egypt never got into the promised land. So great, awesome. What does that have to do for us today? And I think the next verses have a lot to offer us today. And so that's where we're going to go into the... Huh, Let's talk about the so what. So what? What does this have to do? I think that there are three warnings and then just, well, not three warnings, but three things that we can do to make sure that we stay in God's rest and can enter God's rest. And the last ones are just kind of a little bit of questions to kind of say, hey, keep going. Let's persevere in this. 
And so the first thing we find in verse 12 is this, is that we really need to protect our hearts. Absolutely need to protect our hearts. Because I would have to say that after, it's the reason why Hebrews makes this so important is this, is it's okay to have contempt for Moses, right? It's okay maybe to, uh, man, not trust him because, hey, the consequences of that are simply, hey, we still die and Moses doesn't have the ability to bring us to heaven. But for us today, if we don't protect our hearts, the problem with us today is that we continue to deny Jesus. And if we deny Jesus, that means that we will never enter eternity. And the way we deny Jesus, I think, is simply a lot of us bust out of the gates fast, all right? We have hope in Jesus, right? We have hope in the idea that he'll take us, but man... Jesus is everyday faith, absolutely everyday. I know you're walking with me. That's why verses one through six are so important to set up. Is he's trying to re remind us that Moses wasn't the end all, but Jesus is. And if we continue along this path of not trusting Jesus, then we're in for a much more world of hurt. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. You could flip it up for me. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I think sometimes I'm so consumed with me that I miss the call of God on my heart. I'm so task-orientated, I am not noticing God speaking to my heart. I'm not investing in the kingdom of God as much as I'm always withdrawing from the kingdom of God. I think sometimes I don't realize how God can change my heart. But if I can still get what I want, that's okay. I told a story uh, at a funeral that I was at this week that um, John Ortberg, in his, one of his books, talks about a story he has with his grandma. And his grandma loved playing Monopoly. And she would beat him all the time, and she is ruthless. And I, and I loved this analogy because I am absolutely ruthless in Monopoly. I will take all your money. And I love winning Monopoly. And so she, she says, hey, someday you'll learn how to play the game. And so he learns how to play the game, and... Uh, to make a long story short, he learns how to play this game and he finally beats his grandma. Just destroys her and, and she is so excited. She says, man, I'm so excited that you finally won, finally learned how to play this game. 
And she goes, well, now let me tell you something I need to tell you about life so you can learn how to play the game of life. And she says, I mean, you can win all of this, but at the very end of this game, it all goes back in the box. And if we don't protect our hearts, I think that's exactly what happens. We're led to get as much stuff as we possibly can in the short amount of time that we have and to be able to make ourselves comfortable that we forget that at the very end, it all goes back in the box. And so God is saying in verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. He doesn't say, take care, brothers, so that, you can, so that you can have all the stuff that you want. No, man, would you just please not have an unbelieving heart that leads you away from the living God? And the second so what in this whole entire thing is that this is that we, as a body, of believers need to continually encourage one another. Instead of being negative and grumbling and quarreling and being disobedient, maybe we can give daily encouragement to one another. Verse 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Man, I love that. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. That doesn't mean just one hour or 30 seconds or, hey, this means all day long. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Colossians 3.16 puts it, in, put it, puts it another way. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns of spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Have you seen the goodness of God in your life? Or do you just keep on telling him that he hasn't done good at all? Are you reading scripture and absolutely putting it into your heart so that you can continue on every day to see his goodness, to speak with him, to talk with him. Are you singing his praises? And the last one is this. So what? Persevere. Persevere. Verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Would you remember your hope and live in faithfulness? And once again, I think this is more of a sermon for me than it is for you guys, but this is what I came up with for myself. I think my problem is that I have hope for, et for the eternity, but no faith to have God help me today in whatever situation I'm in. I want hope for eternity and the faith to see me through every single day. And that's hard. And that means that I have to persevere. And that means that things around me are going to get tough. But my question is, is I, my question for myself is, am I looking back to the other things? Am I having a hardened heart? 
Am I daily encouraging myself and others? Because that's what's going to help me persevere. And lastly, he finishes this section of Scripture with, a, with six questions, and he answers them all. And this is what he asks, starting in verse 16. And I'm sorry, I want to go back up to verse 15 really quickly. Because once again, he says this. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. It's for us today. And so, 16, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? The whole point is this, is that everybody who died in the desert had begun in glorious expectation of what God would do for them. But they did not have the faithfulness to continue on. They hardened their hearts. And the next question is, and with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? The men who angered God The whole point of this is the men who angered God for 40 years were those who did not believe he could provide for them, though they had left once again Egypt with great hope. This is a huge warning to us. might start with high hopes, but you have to believe. And the third set of questions... And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? And the whole point, unbelief leads to action. It always does. God has to act on our unbelief. And the unbelief is not entering into the rest. And so it all comes down to this. It doesn't actually come down to hope. It doesn't come down to uh, doing all the right things in all the right places. that's, That's not what it is. It actually boils down to, do you believe that God has the power to take care of us? Does God have the power to give us rest? Does God have the power over the penalty of sin? And does God have the power over the power of sin in our lives? Because once we get this right, I think we can start going into the next chapter, which is actually understanding how to enter into God's rest. Understanding the dailyness of life. This is a beautiful chapter in terms of where are you at in your life. And today, will you listen? Or will you simply continue grumbling and have contempt for who Jesus is and for who Jesus, what Jesus is trying to accomplish. Let's pray and let's worship because the last song is amazing. Hey, dear Heavenly Father God, um, I think about the guy in the Gospels who says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
Because there's still a point that we have sin that sometimes has power over us, God. And would we know and believe that you can take care of those things? Would you change our hearts? Would you remove our hearts of stone so that we care about the things you care about and that we, we have faith for today, even no matter what the outcome is? Would we stop desiring? I'm not going to stop desiring things from you, Lord, but would we, would we not base what we get on how good you are? Because you've always been good and you will always continue to be good. And Lord, would you open our eyes to that this week? Would you show us your pillar of clouds and your pillar of fire? Lord, we love you. You're a great God. In your name we pray. Amen. done in many different ways and today we just choose to do it through music and song um, something that I remind our junior high students is that God never says this is the way that you have to do it or you're doing it wrong you don't have to stand or sit close your eyes open your eyes raise your hands sing or not sing it's all uh, it's all just coming from your heart and we all do that in different ways. Psalm 96 says, O oh, sing to, to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, for he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And uh, I believe that this next song uh, speaks just to that. It's called Revelation Song. So we have this group of people wandering the desert and God has told them they're gonna make it to the promised land. He provides their food, he provides shelter, he, he offers direction, and they still just don't seem to get it. It looks really similar to growing up in America. We have absolutely zero needs on what is a world perspective. We actually, individually, would be considered royalty 150, 200 years ago, especially in third world countries. You, you would be considered royalty with how much stuff you have. We have. What do we look forward to? Well, we look forward to a beer after work. We look forward to the weekend. Happy Friday, everybody. It's last day of the week. We look forward to vacations. 
We look forward to go live somewhere else rather than our palace here. We look forward to a vacation to live in someone else's palace in a faraway land which would have been impossible to travel to just a few hundred years ago. We look forward to retirement. Today is when you have the chance. Today is what we should be thankful for. We have everything we need, but instead we just keep looking for more and we look lost. We look, we look so lost. And here's my fear, is that we all say we love Jesus. But what we've done is we've set up an idol and named him Jesus. This Jesus allows for us to live exactly how we want to live and he will save us at the end. We keep just telling ourselves that. This Jesus is screaming at us to get out of the desert. Stop looking forward to the thing that isn't him. Find him today. And I guarantee, I guarantee this is a stamp, this is an approval, this is, this is, you can come find me later if this doesn't work for you. If you find Jesus today, this isn't an app, this isn't in the bottom of a can, this isn't in your savings account, this isn't, this is in this book. This is in quiet time and in prayer seeking God. The two people that made it to the promised land were happy in the everyday. We're glorifying God in the everyday. Found rest in God, even in the desert, because they knew what they had. Do you know what you have in Jesus? Do you know? Can you be happy as, as, as someone picking rocks for a living, cleaning up the street for a living, jobless for a living, relying on your spouse for a living, not having a living, retire? Can you? Can you find rest in God no matter what? Let's pray. Lord, may this church and this ministry not be leading people through the desert. Lord, may we notice the pillar of fire at night, the cloud during the day, your provision every morning and every night. Lord, may we recognize and see that. Lord, let's not look forward to the things that only temporary fulfill. Lord, let's look forward and enjoy you in the everyday. It no longer becomes mundane when the creator of the universe is in it. Lord, may we know that where we are is exactly where you want us. And sometimes it's in the desert and that's the only place that we can glorify you. Lord, you're our map. You're our future, you're our hope. We love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. We leave everything at the foot of the cross. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. 
Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.